Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is open, my friends, as this video is brought to you by DrRoto.com. Hello and welcome into the week five edition of the Pros with Joe's podcast. I'm your host, John Dansby, and we're just pleased as punch that you're all here with us today as we talk big fantasy news and catch up on league updates. With me, as always, is my pal from a different gal, co-founder of the league and the pro to my Joe, Mr. Eric Romoff. Eric, what's new and what do we have on tap for this week? Man, I wish that we had something new but the reality is week five was another week where injuries dominated the headlines right we we kicked off the week with russell wilson and his absolutely disgusting finger injury on thursday night football <laughs> and the the hits just kept on coming right uh, we uh, by, by the time it was all told we we lost juju for the season with a shoulder injury we saw saquon barkley and clyde edwards hilaire hit the shelf for several weeks. Uh, now, as we transition into week six, Dallas Goddard pops up on the Coco list. So he's going to be missing the Thursday night game against the Buccaneers. So definitely impacted a lot of matchups throughout the league. And always it carries a lot of weight for how the teams respond to that. They approach the waiver wire and their week six matchups. The The thing that I want to get your opinion on, John, is specifically that, that Dallas Goddard uh, COVID diagnosis, right? He is firmly ruled out for the game on Thursday. Um, so with that being the case, you know, where are you looking in this Philadelphia offense to fill the gap? Uh, you know, Zach Ertz. Uh, you know, he's, it's his opportunity. Uh, he's got a defense with a, with a tough front seven in Tampa Bay. Um, and that usually bodes well for tight ends against that off or that defense. Um, so, you know, I, I've got Zach Ertz in one of my leagues. He's definitely starting this week uh, because of that. Um, and I, you know, honestly, I just think it's an opportunity for him to show that, you know, he's still a, a valuable asset to the, the Eagles offense. Um, they're not going to be able to throw uh, or, or run the ball against Tampa Bay as much. So that really gives him the opportunity to get a lot of touches and a lot of looks in, you know, quick read offenses that they're going to be facing with that with that tough front seven for uh Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean we we all know that you do not want to tango with that defensive front there for the Buccaneers and thus far the playbook for opposing offenses has been to utilize the tight end or to utilize the underneath passing option. So, yeah. definitely like that Ertz call from you. Yeah, uh you know Moving, moving past the, the injuries thing, I think every week we have to, to talk about new injuries and, and all of that. Um, but, you know, let's, let's move on. Let's move right into uh, the, the league news and, and things like that and what we have to look forward to for, for week six. Um, you know, we've talked a, a lot about the league averages declining uh, in the past few weeks. And, and I got to say this week, that trend did not continue. Uh, we saw the average rocket back up 15 points to about 136 points per team uh, up from about 121 last week. So uh, had a lot of overachievers out there this week. And, you know, something I want to mention just as an aside, um, you know, we saw a repeat of the podcast bump. Uh, so if you guys out there listening, if you're in need of a win, just come join the show. 
you know, we we can't personally guarantee that you're going to win, but we follow trends here in fantasy football, and the trend is you come on the show, you win next week. Uh, Eric, what do you what do you what do you think about this week and and the performances that we we saw this week? Uh, you know, are we seeing the top performers hitting their stride, or was this increase in points just kind of a, an anomaly this year this week? So I'll start with your your former point because it is a point of pride for us, right? We had Dave Kluge on last week, and he is now uh, the owner of a resounding Week Five victory. The week prior, in Coventry. Uh, uh, the the week prior to that, uh, Jay Felicio, right? So uh, very much so excited to to keep the streak alive of the podcast bump. In terms of the scoring that we saw uh, in Week Five, I mean that is. A huge increase, right? I mean, yeah. better better than a ten percent lift week over week. And for for me, I I think this is something that sustains, right? Like scoring is up across the NFL uh, in week five. We saw a lot of lot of games hitting the over. Um, the thing that was kind of unique about this week in particular is that it was all kind of centralized onto a handful of guys. We saw thirteen guys score more than thirty points. Only four of them were quarterbacks. Usually, it's like eight of the top 10 scorers are quarterbacks this week. Yeah. It was only four. So definitely a lot of guys just getting absolutely peppered with targets and opportunities and capitalizing on it. And for, for me, that's the anomaly, right? Like we've talked about it in weeks past, as we get further into the season, teams are going to get more settled into the groove of their offense, get it, get better into those timing and rhythm routes, but also you're going to see offensive coordinators really open up the playbook and things start, teams start to do more dynamic things on offense. So I think we'll see the scoring pace continue to walk up week over week, but I don't think it's going to be as isolated onto a small population of guys. I think it's going to be more peanut butter spread across the players in the league. Uh, that's definitely what I'm hoping for. Cause like you said, we saw some, you know, fringe, fringe players, if you will, in, in the world of fantasy, uh, at least, uh, just really exploding this week. Um, but we also saw some, some needs for, for, for teams in the league. Uh, so that kind of transitions us right into the, the waivers for the week. Um, again, we saw another decrease in claims this week, but you know there's there's no shortage of things to talk about there. What are what are some of your takeaways from the waiver run this week? Like who who were our big spenders this week, and and what kind of impact do you see see them having um, either immediately or or for the rest of the season moving forward? Yeah, yet again, um, we see that in these expert leagues, the the managers are not afraid to pull the trigger and spend big on the guys that they want to acquire um this week based on some of the injuries we we touched on a moment ago uh, those players that they were being targeted were Devonte booker and daryl williams uh, yep. booker certainly got the majority of the love with uh saquon's ankle looking like it was trying to grow another foot after that game <laughs> yeah. um so t king mode uh, uh our guy bob harris and john june all went out and loosened the purse strings they acquired Devonte Booker for 150, 250, and 450 bucks respectively. Um, and then shout out to our our guy Dave Richard, the the, the year one champion. Uh, he was maybe trying to zig when everyone else zagged. Still ended up spending 350 dollars, but 
um, didn't have nearly as much competition to acquire the services of Daryl Williams, who um, will be filling in in the stead of CEH. So in these 14-team leagues, even if it's just a limited amount of time, right, two, three, four, five weeks, whatever it is, getting a starting caliber running back is a pivotal point of emphasis as you're managing your team throughout the course of the year. And the managers have shown that they agree with that point of view and are willing to spend up to make it happen. So, I mean, let me ask you, just out of curiosity, dropping $450 for for uh, Devontae Booker, is that, you know, we know Saquon's going to come back. He always does. We just don't know right now how long he's out. Is Do you see that as a value buy, or is that just a temporary Band-Aid to, to add kind of a complimentary back to a Giants backfield that is not running with Saquon Barkley for the next few weeks? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a bit of both, right? And whenever we're talking about uh, a, a waiver acquisition, uh, specifically a guy that is probably looking at a short stint, we always have to take into account the overall texture of the team and the roster that acquired him, right? So in yeah. the case of John June, who spent $450, the vast majority of his remaining budget, but he is also a Saquon Barkley owner. So while he is, at least at this point, only acquiring the services of Booker for a couple of weeks, if and arguably when Saquon Barkley gets hurt again, he now has the handcuff already on his roster, right? So more than just the couple of weeks that he is adding uh, Booker's production onto his starting lineup, he's also kind of locking in that Giants starting running back position for the duration of the season. The other thing to keep in mind is specifically for, for John's team, he's got a lot of guys that are either on by Cordero Patterson, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, or yep. are coming back from injury, Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard. So if you can buy a couple of weeks with a Devontae Booker for Will Fuller to get healthy, for Patterson to come back from by – there's huge value to that in a, in a hyper competitive league such as this. Yeah. And I, I think, I think you nailed it there. Um, you know, and especially the fact that, that he's got basically the, the entire running back stable of the giants uh, under, under locking key, so to speak. So um, that I don't know if that's more on his without talking to him personally, Um I don't know if that's more of a defensive move or, you know, a, a long-term logistical move because, you know, as we know, Saquon doesn't always play the full season. So I think, you know, that's, that's a decent value buy if, if for nothing else than just taking him off the available players list. Um, but big spenders aside, let's talk about the guys that were uh, a little bit more miserly and uh, pinch their pennies a little bit, so to speak. Yeah, the the one that really jumps off the page for me is our guy Jim Coventry. He was here a few weeks ago. We were actually talking to him about how he spent up to acquire a defense at that point, which he subsequently and immediately dropped the following week. Yep. Now, because of that, he's having to be, as you put it, a bit more miserly in, in how he manages his, his acquisition budget. And he goes out and he acquires Dan Arnold for 28 bucks, a little less than 3% of uh, of the thousand dollar budget and you know looking at how deep these rosters are required to be both in terms of 
how many starting positions they need to fill, but also the ramifications of depth or more specifically not having depth in this type of format is crucial, right? So you look at Dan Arnold, a player who was the rare in-season trade, uh, Jacksonville by many accounts overpaid to acquire his services because they needed that pass catching tight end so badly. And they immediately put him to work, right? I think like two days after he was traded was that Thursday night game against Cincinnati where he immediately saw not only snaps, but targets and opportunities. And last week is really where it all came to a head, right? Everybody who's scratching their head about what happened in this Jaguars passing offense, they're trying to figure out who the hell is Jamal Agnew or how, since when has Davon Austin still been in the league? It was actually Dan Arnold who led this Jacksonville receiving core, uh, both in receptions and in yards. He hauled in six balls for 64 yards. So in a league where a starter can vary, uh, a starting caliber player is potentially delivering seven to nine points, uh, getting a tight end that can be into double digits like this for you know pennies on the dollar, super sharp play by our guy Jim Coventry. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, and very low risk also. Dropping $28, um, and, and, you know, at, at some point, Trevor Lawrence is going to have to start being a Trevor Lawrence that we saw at, at, at uh, Clemson, um, and everybody keeps waiting on it. So, um, you know, that having a, a veteran tight end to, to kind of look to in, in, in your checks as you check down um, – that's going to be a valuable asset, I think, for him. So, you know, good for Jim. I, I think that's a value uh, that he got for for pretty cheap. But we've talked about the high end. We've talked about the low end. Who who got burned? Who was the uh, who was the guy that just didn't quite get the player he was after? Yeah, so this is always the the painful side of of waiver wires is is these these near misses and and this week, unfortunately, it was it was Cooter Doodle, right? Um, we we look at the the texture of of her team in particular. She is the Clyde Edwards Alaire owner, so she is now without a starting running back for uh, several weeks, right? He's he is on IR, so at least three weeks without this starting caliber piece. And she goes in and tries to thread the needle, you know, like she uh, she missed out on Devonte Booker by just twenty five bucks. Um, she missed out on Daryl Williams by three hundred dollars. But either way, for a player who has ninety eight percent of her original budget still remaining to try to you know weave in or, or thread a, a minimal bid on a player that can bridge the gap while your starter is on the bench. Um, feels like a bit of a misfire and it's just insult to injury that um, it's just by a narrow margin that you miss acquiring that player. So, so you're telling me that she needs to be a little bit more of a uh, Mr. Moneybags and less, less miserly there than yeah. I mean, at, at this point, right? Like I, I will always advocate for being uh, cautious and, and very, um, particular in how you spend your your fab dollars but once that injury bug leaves a hole in your lineup that is the day that is the reigning day that you were that you were saving this money for right so yeah go out and make sure that you acquire the players you need because in a 14 team league like 
that depth isn't out there. You know, whomever falls next in week six, if the trend continues, I mean, we're getting to the point where it's likely that their handcuff is already owned, right? So yep. um, I could see if if she spent up, you know, uh, early elsewhere in the beginning of the season, but she she had the money available to her and, um, you know, still tried to knife one in. So I'm, I'm sure that that one stings a little bit to wake up and, and see on the report uh, Wednesday morning. Yeah, and I have definitely been on, on that other side for sure. Uh, so any other moves this week that, that have left you scratching your head or, or just kind of a little bit, a little bit confused. I mean, more than a little bit confused. Um, you know, last week I was surprised to see that we had a team successfully bid, uh, or place a winning bid to acquire a player they wanted to, but didn't have the requisite roster space to actually complete the transaction. And here again in the, the week five waiver run, uh, our guy, Jeff Feinberg, he uh, very much so has holes in his roster. He went out and placed the winning bids on Geno Smith as a Russell Wilson owner, uh, as well as Devontae Booker, won both of those bids, but didn't drop the players needed in order to have the roster space. So, um, I mean, it is it is a head scratcher to say the least. Um, but ultimately, you know, these are the little kind of nuances and margins where, uh, you know, weeks and seasons are won and lost. Yeah. And uh, I, I love to, I love to, to see these kinds of things and, you know, kind of dive into the, the nitty gritty of it. Um, his bid for, for Devonte Booker, for example, um, I believe he's in the nachos division. Uh, he would have won that bid by $350 with his $500 bid for Devonte Booker. Um, I'm not sure if not the embarrassment of not having the roster space available or the embarrassment of spending $350 more than the next asking price is um, what, what hurts more in that situation. Uh, but, you know, you live and you learn and, you start the players you have next week. So, um, but you know, I couldn't agree more, but I will say a team that does have their head in the game is, uh, a couple of guys that we're really excited to have join us this week. Uh, they are highly esteemed guests. Uh, this is going to be a special week for us and we are more than happy and more than excited to welcome in Team 8-Ball and MG. And with that, it is time for us to change speeds a little bit, maybe relax and take notes, and welcome in the co-managers of 8-Ball and MG, Mr. Marcus Grant of NFL Media and Mr. George Sanders. Marcus, George, how's it going tonight? Good, man. I appreciate you giving me the invite to be here. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're we're pumped to have you guys on on board. Uh at least uh, from a personal note, uh, uh easily my my most favorite team name of all of the the 42 that we have rolling <laughs> yeah. out there. That was so. all that was all George. Like real talk, that was all George. Uh, he's like we should totally do it and then we started like, you know, exchanging 8-ball and MJG like song titles in the DMs <laughs> and stuff. That was uh he he was on top of it. <laughs> yes, sir. And it was 
it was a stroke of genius. I, it, it just, it slips out every single time. I, I struggle to say eight ball and MG. I, I always, I always find myself <laughs> one to throw in the J. So definitely a, a good homage to, to the OGs out there. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Memphis. Let's go. <laughs> So uh, jumping right in, uh, Marcus, uh, I'd, I'd love if, if you can maybe tell us a bit about uh, the, the charity that you're that you've decided to play for this year and and why that group is is important in your mind. Yeah, uh, playing for the L.A. Regional Food Bank. Um, look, I, I, homelessness obviously is has been a big issue for a number of years. Uh, I, I live in Los Angeles where it has become a huge issue. Uh, and it's only been exacerbated by the pandemic. Obviously, you know, people losing their jobs, losing their livelihoods. Um, you know, sadly, unfortunately, you see more and more people now who are out on the street. I know there's always been concern uh, about people being evicted and where they're going to go. And so, um, you know, it's it's definitely a concern locally for me. It's a concern nationally, I think, for a lot of people. And so I just wanted to play and, and try to earn some money for the L.A. Regional Food Bank to, you know, at least try to help. Uh, tackle a problem that has uh, maybe been growing worse over the last uh, few years. But I said, like I said, uh, especially during this pandemic, um, it has really, really gotten worse. So, you know, uh, whatever we can do and, and look, I encourage people to uh, to donate, to volunteer uh, to their whatever local food banks or, or whatever shelters uh, that are out there trying to help folks. Uh, they're really just trying to get by right now. Um, I certainly encourage it, whether it's the, the L.A. Regional Food Bank or or some uh, some food bank a little bit closer to home. I, I definitely encourage people to try to reach out and, and help as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a growing problem, I think, nationwide. Um, but, you know, you see the stories from L.A. for sure. Um, living here in Austin, we're, we're starting to see a lot more of it, too. So uh, always a great uh, part of our, our broadcast that we get to, to hear about, you know, what, what you guys are supporting and, um, just every week we're just, you know, kind of surprised and like, you know, kind of just grateful to have you guys thinking about some of these, you know, other things to raise money for. Um, uh, but this, you know, that's a huge one. Um, but MG, you know, this is your first year playing with pros with Joe's why don't you tell us how you heard about it and, and, you know, what your thoughts are so far about, uh, about the league itself. Uh, I think I heard about it. I think one of you guys might've DM'd me and, and asked me about it. I think that was, uh, I think that was, that was my first inkling that, that something like this existed, but I, I definitely think it's cool. Right. Um, since I have been doing this job, I mean, one of the consistent requests that I get just from, you know, listeners you uh, readers what have you um you know you always get these these things in your mentions about hey how can i get in the league uh with one of you guys or do you want to come play in my league and you know um yeah obviously you can't uh you can't get to everybody right you can't play in everybody's league and and you do want to be able to connect with with some of the folks who you know who support us and support our work and so uh to be able to do this was very very cool um you know to kind of get involved with this and and uh not only sort of interact with other uh, writers and analysts, but to kind of meet some of the folks who are out there kind of support, look, we can write and we can talk all we want, but if like nobody's reading it and nobody's listening, then, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's like <laughs> me talking to my two and a half year old son. It's just like, whatever. Like, so, uh, right. so this has been very cool. It's been cool to kind of, you know, meet and connect with George, uh, and, and just, you know, play a fantasy league and, and have some fun about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I've, uh, if I've shared this with you or, or not Marcus, but, um, we're we're in our second year this year, and as I've told the story uh, a number of times on uh, radio spots or on podcasts, 
Um, I actually point back to an exchange that I had with you in our first year as really the the jumping off point. If if memory serves, um, you were you were interested, but we got a super late start into mm-hmm. the preseason, and you just didn't have time to uh, fit in another league, which was totally understandable. But what you did thereafter was incredible. You you opened up your network, right? You connected us into Rank and Florio and several other people, and that was really that that turning point where um, you know we went from popping up in people's DMs, you know, begging for them to participate in our league <laughs> to all of a sudden we have people reaching out to us, right? So um, you know, I, I love that story because um, a it was it was an impactful moment in time for the work that we do through the charity, but also it it really crystallizes just what it means to support, right? Like we we raise money for all these charities, but for those that don't have money to give, they can give of their time. For those that don't have time to give, like uh, MG last year, they can give of their network or their influence, right? So uh, really just a, a super uh, a cool way that that concept was, was crystallized and uh, certainly played a, a big role in uh, the good that we've been able to do with with these this charity over the last two years, so definitely appreciate you making time for us this year, but but also supporting us through uh, through throughout the the time that we've been around. Yeah, glad to do it. Absolutely, awesome. So so George, uh, definitely want to uh, get to know you a little bit more. Can you can you tell us a bit about yourself? Do you have a team that you follow in the NFL? Um, you know, in, in terms of your your fantasy uh, history. Are you, are you mainly a redraft kind of guy or do you dabble in, in, in dynasty or in DFS? What are, what are your Sundays like put differently? <laughs> man, man, my Sundays are all about uh, NFL. Just like y'all, man. I mean, um, mainly just season long guy. So I'm in that. Well, I'm, this is my eighth league. Now I'm in with, uh, with pros, most of Joe's. So uh, definitely busy watching that. Uh, yeah. I've been playing fantasy <laughs> since 2005 uh, got six rings, so I had a little bit of success Ooh, along the okay. way. But 2005, my first draft was Dante Culpepper, uh, followed by Nate Burleson. So you can imagine how that uh, ended up <laughs> passing on people like Larry Johnson. Not so a, didn't go too not well. Not a dynasty league there. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> not so much. Wouldn't it, wouldn't have turned out too good. But uh, yeah, as you can see, uh, my team I follow is the Seattle Seahawks. So I am uh, wearing my Russell Wilson jersey uh, in mourning right now. Um, really hoping that uh, hoping that Marcus's uh, twin separated at birth, Geno Smith, will get us under center and lead us to a few victories while uh, while he's out. So that's uh, the, that's the hope right now. So, um, but yeah, yeah, just uh, enjoy playing fantasy and rooting on my Seahawks. And like I said, hopefully he can get us to at least two and one through this bye week until Russell gets back and we can make some hay. So. Uh, George, what's what's your experience been so far with with MG so far? Man, it's been awesome. Um, MG, like I said, he's one of my, if not my favorite uh, fan, fantasy analyst that there is uh, out there. I always watched his content for the last several years on uh, NFL.com. I listen to the pod, his podcast all the time. I read his articles, so it's been fun working with uh, working with him. You know, we talked about the draft uh, before the draft. Uh, kind of where we were going with starting with a running back, going with a tight end and a quarterback. So kind of talked about all that. And I was trying not to be the, you know, the stalker fan, you know, really trying to <laughs> slide up in his DMs too much. But, Squeaky uh, wheel gets have, the grease, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I know he's a busy man, you know, uh, relatively new father. 
Uh, lots of directions going in different ways. So I didn't want to bother him too much, but I have slid up in his DM with a couple of questions, you know, as this came up and Marcus has been nice enough to answer my questions when I've had them. So I definitely appreciate that. And volume might pick up around playoff time, but kind of letting it <laughs> slide right now. And <laughs> when, when so, he starts so getting tight, I might uh, call on him a little bit more. Who's setting the lineups for you guys? Are y'all having a discussion every every Wednesday before y'all set it, or are y'all alternating, or how's, how's we, pro- that we probably should have more conversations about setting the lineup. Um, you know, like I, you know, we, it's funny too because we talked about you know the Cordero Patterson thing, right? Like that was kind of a yep. late pick. Um, I won't say it was a throwaway pick, but it was definitely a dart throw that has kind of worked out, right? And then, yep. Uh, similarly, you know, I, I uh, George was like, hey, we got to get we got to get some Seahawks on this team. We we had missed, like I'd missed on all the guys that I had wanted, you know, I missed on Lockett and Metcalf yeah. and, 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 uh, you know, Chris Carson or what have you. Uh, so just to kind of, you know, to, to, you know, make my partner a little bit happy. I, I drafted Alex Collins, like our last pick. And now like, it turns out that actually might be worth something. It's right. sort of, it's kind of yeah. what, 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 what happened is just Go kind of 16th like a, round selection. Yeah. You know, it just started as like a last, <laughs> last pick of the draft sort of thing. Like, Hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help my partner out, see if make him happy. At least get him one guy from his team. Um, and like it, it just goes to show you never know how the season's going to go. Alex Collins actually has some value right now. Yep. Yeah, certainly does. Chris, Chris Carson dealing with, uh, with a neck issue as it's been categorized, which is something that I never want to have, uh, as a means to describe anything going on with my neck. So certainly (laughs) something watching, something worth watching there in, in Seattle and Collins definitely carries some, some value going forward as, uh, as as Carson's availability is is in question, uh, George, you 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 sort of teed us up perfectly for some conversation about the draft, right? Where uh, the the tail of the te- the tail of the tape for Team Eight Ball and MG uh, through five weeks, you're currently sitting at three and two. And looking at the draft board, we we usually don't see quarterbacks go particularly early in these expert leagues, but uh, y'all decided to pull the trigger on. The first quarterback to come off the board, Patrick Mahomes, in the third round. So, um, you know, maybe kind of pivoting off that, can you tell us a bit about the overall strategy that you had in the draft and how the positionless nature of uh, of how our rosters are formed maybe informed the the line that you took? Yeah, well, at first, me and Mark kind of talked, and uh, we talked about getting you know, Austin Eckler first. Wanted to beat Mike Florio to the punch. So uh, <laughs> luckily we, we were able to do that and got to Austin Eckler. Uh, we both were kind of looking at the same thing as far as Darren Waller in round two. We both don't really like streaming the tight end position. So we wanted to get that rock solid tight end. And then third round, well, I mentioned to Marcus, hey, I want to make sure we get a top tier uh, quarterback because the leagues that I've been in this year, you know, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, I'm yep. doing better in those leagues. And we're trying, I'm trying to stream out, you know, uh, Jared Goff and, and Baker Mayfield or something like that. So uh, <laughs> Marcus Ridley. went. He went to the he, yeah. So uh, Marcus went to the top and got uh, Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, wow, okay, I'm cool with that. Which I I would so, tell you is like totally out of character for me. Like I, I I live in a world in my head where it shouldn't be a strategic disadvantage to draft Patrick Mahomes, right? Like if we all agree that he is arguably the best quarterback in the league, right? Like why should it be a, a strategic disadvantage to draft him? Um, and so, you know, George, like you said, he was like, hey, we should try and get ourselves a top tier quarterback. And I think I remember when it got back to us, I didn't really love any of the options that were on the board. I was like, you know what? 
there's ever time for me to kind of, you know, go outside my lane and take a swing, this feels like the opportunity. And I, I yeah. think I, I've drafted him and even George hit me back. He's like, whoa. Patrick Mahomes is like, yeah, man, let's go big. And, and so yeah. far, so far, it's been okay. There's uh, a, yeah. there's, there's sort of two things at at play there. One, I, I think you had a pretty good gauge on the market, right? If you look at the draft board, we saw four more quarterbacks come off in the next twelve picks. So you kind of started the run there. But also, what I've found is that we we squeeze in our draft times like twenty minutes before kickoff on that first Thursday game, like. We are often the last draft for everyone of the preseason. And so teams and managers will come in and purposefully try to take kind of a different line to their build through the draft, right? They've got a full picture of their portfolio of players and say, you know what? I'll try, I'll try, uh, you know, this being my Patrick Mahomes team, or this will be the place where I, you know, I, I fade running back or whatever it is. So sounds like it was kind of the marriage of, of those two things that ultimately came together and, and landed you Pat Mahomes. Yeah, it kind of was, um, you know, like I, it's and you guys know this. I mean, you do a bunch of drafts and it probably do a bunch of mock drafts like it gives you the opportunity to try different things. Um, and I think especially you're right when you get to the end of draft season uh, and you've done the same thing and you've had similar builds. Um, it is kind of fun to like, hey, let's let's just go crazy. Let's just do something completely different because, you know, hey, this is the last one we're going to do until next offseason. So uh, it does kind of give you a little bit more freedom to maybe try things that you, you probably wouldn't normally try. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, that gives you a little more fun, too. I mean, somebody like Pat Mahomes is going to get you points every week. So that's pretty safe. Uh, and I like the, the idea of being a little bit uh, – off brand, so to speak, in, in that draft or for that particular draft. Um, but y'all going back to last week, y'all are coming off kind of a tough luck loss against Linda. Uh, you had some injuries that kind of hampered performances. Um, can you talk about, you know, talk us through how you guys are evaluating the like a middle of the pack team and and what advice do you have for other teams out there that are kind of sitting in similar situations as, as you guys? Well, I think George, we gotta we gotta we gotta put our heads together on maybe making a trade or something. We gotta we gotta freshen up this roster a little bit. Like I think uh I mean obviously Cordero has been great. Um, you know, yep. having Eckler has been great. Um, but I feel like you know, we could probably use some help somewhere along the line, especially with the bye weeks coming up. So so you and I gotta get together and, and figure out how to uh you know, who's on the trading block, who might we wanna target, because uh, I think that's that's the next big step. To like kind of getting this thing rolling again because yeah we're, we're three and two we're still in the thick of things uh definitely didn't help that justin herbert put almost 47 points on our head last week um, <laughs> it did not, you know, it did not. <laughs> yeah she had a she had a couple that just came out of nowhere Mark, to, Mark to kind of put you Callaway guys away. With 24 points like yeah. where's that coming from <laughs> you know so uh so yeah it was no. it was a little bit of a tough luck loss last week but yeah we're still in it so let's you know george we got to figure out how to how to spruce this thing up and, and get rolling again so what yeah i, I guess you know, we're, we're, we're six, i think we're fifth in i think we're fifth in points six in points so still doing pretty good on on that end but like marcus said kind of freshen it up get some new blood in there and uh would think would be all right, but it, but I think that the Debo Samuel pick in, in round seven is going to end up being a really huge pick for us, and that was one I was kind of I remember during the draft I was kind of kind of needling Marcus to kind of get him earlier, but he knows the room, so he was able to get him later than uh, even I thought we could get him. 
I mean, it's funny because, you, t- you know, I talked about doing different things like all offseason. I had been, you know, hashtag team Ayuk um, and I missed him here. So we went with Debo Samuel and, you know, sometimes the sometimes the best picks are the ones you don't make. So like missing out on Ayuk yeah. sort of worked out. <laughs> yeah. Samuel's been so much better. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of piggybacking on on you guys getting together since we both have you guys together here right now. Like what what kind of holes have you identified, George or or MG? Like what what are you looking to fill in, in y'all's roster? Uh, really, probably a little bit more depth at uh, at wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. I think our running backs are fairly decent with James Conner, um, Austin Eckler. Uh, we did have a lot of injuries early on. We lost Gus Edwards. We lost um, yeah. Raheem Mostert. Uh, yeah, we got Jerry Judy out right now, so probably bolster in the wide receiver position a little bit. Um, yeah, we're looking pretty good at running back. Obviously, got a good tight end, so that's where I probably look first. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, you know, right now, we're who are we rocking with? I mean, you know, Debo Samuel has by far been our best wide receiver this year, but beyond that, I mean, we're you know, Sammy Watkins, who is Sammy Watkins, you know, Gabe Davis, who I thought had some some juice. I mean, I think because because of the injuries, I mean, I snagged Anthony Schwartz because he had like a couple of ta- targets one week and. Uh, now apparently, I don't know, he must have kicked Baker Mayfield's dog or something. I have no idea because he doesn't, uh, he didn't get any looks. So, uh, so that's, nope. I think that's where we got to get stronger. <laughs> yeah, so it certainly makes a lot of sense. And, and looking across the kind of texture of your roster, you definitely have uh, the, the sort of uh, upper crust, those pinnacle players at each position. Uh, but when you get to your, your second option, uh, it thins out. So I, I definitely think that that is, uh, and an astute observation in terms of where to improve. And as you're you're talking about how to kind of roll forward with your roster, we'll uh, we'll roll on forward into week six. And for us, that means that on Thursday night we have again what looks to be a pretty interesting game. Right? Uh, this isn't the uh, Jaguars Titans Thursday night special of years past. We've got uh, Buccaneers <laughs> heading to Philly face off against the Birds. So any. Uh, any storylines or, or matchups that either of you are watching uh, heading into this game? Um, for that game in particular, um, I, I think I think I'm in on a lot of the Eagles' pass catchers. Um, you know, I know everybody sort of looks at the Bucks' defense and they're like, "Hey, man, this defense is really good," and it is if you're talking about what they have up front and and stopping yep. the run. Um, the, the secondary has issues. I mean, you know, look, there's there's a reason. They went out and signed Richard Sherman out of you know pretty much off the street and and immediately put him in the lineup. Like I think I think they had signed him what like the day before, two days before, and immediately put him on the field because they are thin in the secondary. And so I think you know that that gives me hope for Devontae Smith this week for Zach Ertz, uh, especially with no Dallas Goddard. Uh, I mean I like Jalen Rager uh, as a, a deep sleeper or a DFS play this week. Um, you know if you really want to get saucy. Uh, you can have Quez Watkins, although uh, Michael Florio pointed out on our podcast today that um, Quez Watkins last week had a 53 yard catch and finished the game with 48 yards. So uh, do what you want. <laughs> do what you want with that. But, you you but live by the gadget play. You die by the gadget play. Pretty right? much. Uh, yeah. I mean, so it's worth starting the pass catchers. And also, like at this point, like. Jalen Hurts is is like an automatic twenty points. It feels like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter how bad the uh, Eagles' offense plays. Uh, 
yeah, Jalen Hurts just like locked in for 20 points, it seems like every week. Yeah, it, it feels like it feels like he's always gonna get there and it's never gonna look pretty, right? Like oh, we're, no. gonna be, <laughs> we're gonna be through gorgeous, three quarters <laughs> and he's he's gonna have you know nine or ten points up, and then all of a sudden you get to the end of the game and there he is at 18, 20, 24, right? Uh, people people I, who love time. the law, people who love the law, sausage, and Jalen Hurd's fantasy points should watch neither being made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah it's fair no that's right <laughs> yeah so I, I i completely agree with your your read on on the game um and and specifically the question that that i have looking through five games it seems like jalen hurts is is really uh kind of fallen into a, a rhythm where he makes one read usually it's devonta smith and then he just kind of bails on that play call he either goes underneath or he you know tries to pick it up with his legs I, I really like the Ertz play with Goddard being out. I just don't know if they'll get to him in that progression. But if they do, I mean, the the way that you attack this Buccaneers defense is with the short over-the-middle passing game, right? Yeah. Until last week, they have four weeks of top five tight end perf- performances in their wake. Last week, it should have been Gasecki, but they decided that they were going to throw it all to Miles Gaskin, which essentially is the same outcome, but with the wrong player. But definitely like the like, like the read on uh, the Philly side of the of the receiving game. Yeah, no, for real. I, I'm um, interested to see if um, if the Eagles run the ball more than two or three times. We know how good the Bucks defense is, and how the uh, Eagles are allergic to running the football. So, what's the over under on rushing attempts by the Eagles? Like negative six, maybe. <laughs> oh, mean, you got to I think you have to count uh, Jalen Hurts' rushing attempts in there because I think he'll get more than Kenny Gainwell or any uh, any of the other stable running backs in uh, Philly. Yeah, it it just feels yeah. like on those on those read options, like more often than not, it's just Hurts keeping it and trying to do it himself. Um, yeah. uh, and it's it's sort of reinforces my thought that. Um, the Eagles don't love Miles Sanders as much as we all love Miles Sanders. Like, I think he's a really good player, but it just feels like for the last couple of years, the Eagles in their own special way keep trying to tell us that, like, hey, look, he's not – we don't think he's the guy. They keep bringing in other people. Uh, was it last year? Like, start of the year, like Jordan Howard was still getting carries some kind of way. It's like, really? In the year of our Boston, Lord 2020? Boston Scott got some run for a little while. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> the Eagles just keep trying to tell us that, you know, you guys might love uh, Miles Sanders out there, but we don't really feel the same way. Uh, you know, this year now it's Kenny Gainwell that's, you know, taking food off his plate. So, yeah, um, you know, I, you're right. It, you might get five running back carries <laughs> in this game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it won't be a lot. So MJ or MG, sorry, this uh, taking a look at the rest of, of week six. Um, are there any players that are coming up like based on their matchups this week that are kind of uh, like have your eye for for moving from the bench to to a starting role based on the matchups this week? Um, the first one that, that jumps out to me is Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, like if you're if you're streaming, if you uh, if you're one of those poor souls out there raising my hand uh, who lost Russell Wilson <laughs> in a league. Um <laughs> Heineke's made four starts this year. He's had 20 points or more in three of them, um, you know, and uh, the Chiefs defense, just be honest, they're bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I, I called them earlier this week. I called them the Kansas City Cheeks because they're kind of ass this year. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> uh, so I think I think that's a game. That's a game that's going nice. to have a million points 
because Washington's defense is surprisingly bad yeah. this year too. Yeah, uh, take we know, the over. We know, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, we know we know Kansas City can score. Like the offense is not really the issue in Kansas City. We know they can score. They're going to score on Washington, and then you know the football team is going to have to keep throwing the football to stay in it. Um, so I do like Taylor Heineke is kind of a nice nice sleeper play this week. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, any any more that uh, are are kind of poking their ways out? I mean, I know everybody's on Devonte Booker uh, with yeah. with, the, with the injuries. Um, I you know he was a Although, a huge pickup in our league this week. But uh, what do you was, see from that? I would I would say though honestly the the giant that I think uh, is maybe worth looking at, and I know this you know people are gonna groan when I say this, but Evan Ingram. Um, just because I think the game script is going to be such that Booker might not get as much opportunity, right? Like, I don't mm. I don't expect they're going to use him in the passing game the same way they use Saquon. Um, and then what right now? I think I think this I think today uh, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, uh, they were all limited in practice. I think Canarius Tony was limited in practice because he's got a foot issue. Uh, Galladay didn't practice. Saquon didn't practice. Like, I mean, literally, they may just do a raffle at the gate and just say, hey, do you want to come catch passes from Mike? Glenn? Yeah, Suit up. Daniel Jones didn't practice. <laughs> like, it might be Mike Glennon slinging, <laughs> slinging the rock to, like, just fans out of the stands. Um, and so because the Rams can score points uh, and run it up, I do think that you're, you're going to see the Giants be forced to – to stick to the air. And so I think, I think that makes me nervous about Booker, but it makes me feel better about Evan Ingram this week. Uh, not because I think he's, you know, somehow gotten great again, but just because I think the volume is going to be kind of undeniable. Hmm. George, how about you? Are you watching anybody this week? Any matchups that are interesting to you this week? Well, you mentioned it a little bit earlier when you talk about uh, Kenny Gainwell. And I was just thinking about how, much they've been exploited by the running back out of the backfield with a lot of their uh, matchups the Bucks have been. You know, you had Miles Gaskin last week. Um, and I think, I can't think of it, the other person, but I want to say a few weeks back there was someone else that kind of got a running back passes. Uh, I think uh, Pollard had some success as well out of the backfield. Yep. So yep. Um, I have to roll with him in a few lineups this week. So have some hopeful there, have my fingers crossed. But like to see how that kind of uh, shakes out for him uh, going out this week uh, against the Bucks. See how many passes he can catch, how many how success he can have. Yeah, yeah, I like those too. Yeah, and I, I mentioned it in my my analysis of uh, of this Buccaneers defense. Right, uh, it it was Miles Gaskin last week, right? So mm-hmm. certainly, certainly, it's on the range for for Kenny, for Kenny Gainwell to to have a similar type week. Maybe not catch ten balls for two touchdowns, but. Still, still have plenty of opportunity coming his way. Just when everybody was tapping <laughs> yeah. out on Miles Gaskin, too, he uh, catches ten passes. Man, he went bananas of, of on so many benches last week, right? Like <laughs> the the bench scoring yeah. is through the roof in week five. Oh man! And, and how many snaps so, did he have? I don't know. Was, was that his on snap a... share offhand? Okay. Yeah, our step uh, guy's no, taking the uh, night off can, tonight. So if you can okay, filibuster I, for I a second, I could play... probably find out. <laughs> I thought he didn't play um, many snaps, but yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I think I think for for Gaskin, I mean, that part of it was just because Jacoby Brissett loves tight ends and running backs, and for whatever reason, I guess team Mike Gesicki just were beefing that day. I don't know, but uh, we ended up getting a whole lot of of Miles Gaskin love, and uh, he played thirty four snaps, which 
I mean, isn't really a ton, but I don't think the Dolphins ran. I, I went back and watched. Dolphins didn't run a whole lot of plays because yeah, you know they 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 didn't have a, a lot of plays run last week. Um, really, the the turning point for for Gaskin was was when Brissett uh, got nicked up. Right, he he came back in and then mm-hmm. just stopped throwing the ball more than five yards down the field. So um, that that equated to a decent snap share. He was he was on the field for a, about seventy percent of snaps, sixty nine point four. Um, so certainly had had his opportunities. Um, you know, is on the field a bit more than we see Gainwell, but you know, presuming that this game is one where the Eagles find themselves down pretty quickly, um, that that opportunity share could could walk up for Gainwell pretty readily. Yeah, no doubt. I I, I would expect the Bucks are probably going to take the lead early in this one. Um, and like I liked Kenny Gainwell anyway. Um, he's gotten a bigger role than I ever thought it would. But again, the Eagles don't love Miles Sanders as much as we love Miles Sanders. So. <laughs> That yeah, makes sense. So we uh, we did have some uh, some of our listeners chime in with some questions. The the first one off the top, um, we've all seen Michael Pittman really have that second year um, explosion uh, there in in Indianapolis. Um, but one of our listeners wants to know with the potentially uh, impending return of T. Y. Hilton, does that maybe uh, kind of cool the waters on Pittman, or, or what are your thoughts on him for the rest of the season? Still like him. Um, I mean, yeah, Ty is going to get some targets, but I don't. I don't think it significantly impacts Pittman. I think the guys who should be worried are probably exact Pascal and uh, and those guys there. I mean, look, this is sort of. I think you know, if this is not the end for Ty Hilton, it's pretty close to it. And I think I think we've gotten to a point now where Pittman is taking over as the top receiver. So um, you know, I, I liked him even before Ty went on on IR. I, I still think he's going to be the guy to have there. So I, I I'm not super concerned about what happens. Although, what Ty owns the Texans, so maybe you start him against the Houston Texans. Um, but everybody yeah, else, it's, no. it's too bad he's, still... he's not back this week for the matchup. But <laughs> no, for the, for the second bad. time around, <laughs> right. he can he can go. Yeah, sec- can go second time around, right? Like uh, maybe he breaks out the clown mask like he did a few years ago. Yeah, um, so I was about to say, yeah, he's gonna get the clown mask out. <laughs> Get the clown mask out. <laughs> yeah. uh, but other than that, this is for me, it's Pittman still the guy. All right. So I've got a question. Uh, this listener has a he has Cordero Patterson on a bye this week. Uh, he's got Carson that's dealing with his neck. If Carson doesn't play, he's got three guys to choose from, and he's very aware that it's not a great choice to pick from. <laughs> Uh, but between Jamal Williams, Alex Collins, and Khalil Herbert in a full PPR league, who are you picking? I'm probably picking Jamal Williams. Um, first, because he has the least bad matchup of the three. <laughs> I mean, you know, Collins has to deal with the Steelers. Uh, Herbert's got to deal with the Packers. Neither one of those are great. Herbert, uh, at least what we saw last week, they weren't involving him in the passing game. That's still Damian Williams. Um, you know, uh, and... and Jamal Williams, we know he's going to catch the ball. Um, you know, like it's it's pretty much him and DeAndre Swift uh, doing damage out of the backfield. The Bengals are better, but they're not as good as the other two defenses, I don't think. And and the target share is going to be there. So uh, I would agree, it is not really a an appealing choice. But uh, of those three, I think he's the he's the best option. When I was uh, when I was reading this question, it felt like that meme where it's like, "Tell me the bye weeks have started." Without telling me the bye weeks have started. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'm looking at my benches and just kind of like rolling my eyes with that same oh. kind of question. Like, oh, who do I start? But yeah. And week seven is just looking terrible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is that the is that by oh, no, there's always one there's always one by Mageddon week in there. Yeah. Like the yes, one this that, year. That, that, that is, that week seven is like Steelers, Cowboys, Bills. I mean, it's rough. <sighs> Gonna be some rough yeah. lineups in week seven. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm looking at. Yep, we got what six teams. Oof. Yeah. It's significant. Teams Bills, too. Cowboys, Jaguars, Chargers. But yeah, that's. Oh whew, man, that's gonna be brutal. Yeah. <laughs> some love scoring stuff. This is uh this is where we <laughs> jump in with the PSA that if you know that you're impacted by bye weeks in week seven. Go out and add the pieces you need now, and you will get yeah. them for a fraction of what they will cost you mm-hmm. when everybody else has their buy as as buy man. Absolutely. Is upon us. <laughs> All right, moving moving on. Uh, the The next question we've got is uh, we've got Kyler coming off a bit of a down week last week. Uh, what What's your level of concern for Kyler Murray and his shoulder moving forward? It's kind of minimal, uh, and I know last year, like the shoulder injury, sort of changed the way he played. Um, I guess the difference is this year he's not running as much. So that that has yeah. sort of been baked into his production. Um, he's still throwing the football well. And I know the, the Cardinals are kind of taking it slow. I think they I think he was limited in practice today. Um, I think it was just more of a of a precaution. Um uh, I also chalked last week up a little bit to you know, games in division are tougher, right? Because those teams see you twice a year, every year. Like they sort of have an idea of of who you are and what you can do. And I feel like that is a little bit of what happened against the 49ers. Um, you know, last week, uh, he's got the Browns this week, which should be a fun game, by the way. I think it's gonna be really entertaining. Yeah. Um, but we also saw the Browns get carved up by Justin Herbert and the and the Charger offense. Um you know, I know that Cleveland's got a lot of injuries, especially in the secondary. I think Greedy Williams uh, was on the injury report this week. A couple other guys uh, in the defensive backfield were on the injury report. So now you're talking about maybe being less than 100% there, and you got to deal with, you know, Nuke Hopkins, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore. Um, that seems unpleasant. So I'm not, I'm not really freaking out about Kyler just yet. That, that makes a lot of sense. And for anyone out there who uh, is in a betting state or a legalized sports betting state, um, Vegas did a really poor job last year of adjusting the prop bets for Kyler's carries when he had a shoulder injury. And it looks like, at least for week six, that is the case as well. So the Cardinals basically shut down his uh, his running productivity while he was nursing that injury last year. I think it's fair to to expect that to continue this year. But the betting markets didn't quite catch up. So if you're uh, looking to dabble around in the prop markets, uh, that, that might be a soft one to expose. You say that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Q, Q Vegas always knows, where man. We're apologizing to everyone who took my, my prop advice. This so, is not uh, financial <laughs> advice on this. <laughs> I, I have to say this. I am not a lawyer nor a doctor. But you did um, stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so it's yeah. true. I'm, I'm extremely yeah. refreshed. Um, so so to kind of jumping back to your, your point earlier about um, you know, the, this being the inflection point where you really start evaluating your roster and um, looking for some trade partners out there. We've, we've actually got a couple of trade questions that, that, that came in. So the first one is from Brandon. 
He's in a full PPR and he is doing a straight line two for two. He wants to know a deal involving Calvin Ridley and Kareem Hunt for Alvin Kamara and Marquez Callaway. Which which side of that would you prefer? Ridley Hunt easily. Um, I mean, Kareem Hunt has been lights out this year. I, uh, you know, I, I, I jokingly said last week, is he the RB one in, in Cleveland now? I mean, I said that because I was, I have Nick Chubb and I was sad that Kareem Hunt got two touchdowns and Nick Chubb only had one. <laughs> um, but I mean, the, the point remains like the Browns are sort of the gold standard for the two running back rotation and, and Hunt is getting plenty of work and, and he's doing big things and he catches the ball too, which always is big. Um, I know Calvin Ridley hasn't had the huge blow up game that we're expecting, but I also think it's coming. Um, Thank you. You know, uh, hopefully he's back on the field or actually after the bye, he'll be back on the field, hopefully. Um, so the, the, that's coming. I mean, Kamara is going to be okay, but the Saints offense is not what it had been. And I don't really understand. I mean, he went a couple weeks ago, he went a game without a target, which boggles my mind. Um, and for all the fun things that Marcos Callaway did against George and I, this past week um, that just can't be counted on. And especially because there's talk that um, uh, Michael Thomas could be back after the buy as well. And so once Michael Thomas is back, you just know that's where so many of those targets are going. So um, I would stay away. I, I would much rather have the Calvin Ridley Kareem hunt side of that trade. George, you got a, you got a similar line or you may be looking at it a little differently. No, I look at it the exact same way. Normally, when I make trades, I, I want to get the, the best person in the trade, which is obviously Kamara in this case. But when you look at it overall, um, as kind of MG uh, laid it out there, yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree. Marquez Calloway is going to turn back into a pumpkin, right? He's not going to catch 60-yard <laughs> Hail Marys every week, and uh, MT is, is looming out there. The thing about Kareem Hunt, so I – I caught a lot of heat for fading Nick Chubb in the offseason, mostly to do with where he was being drafted. But um, for me, it, it has a lot to do with Kareem Hunt, right? He's, he's kind of looked at as this, as this receiving back. But in fact, he's also their primary red zone back, right? And so mm -hmm. it's uh, his his role in this offense is well established and he is getting opportunity outside of situations where they're down or on third down. So definitely like to get Kareem Hunt out there. I would say to go out and try to buy low on him, but this is not the week to do that, considering what he did against the Chargers last week. But if he if he stumbles along the way, I'll, I'll be waiting there to to swoop in. Um, we we've got a we've got another uh, uh, trade question here lined up. This one's coming from Ray. It's the rare standard league. I, I, I wasn't sure these existed, but apparently they do, according to Ray's reporting. He wants to know if he should trade James Robinson for DJ Moore. I don't think that's terrible. Um, I mean, I feel like this is one where it, I, I guess I'd have to see the rest of the roster and see, you know, is it that he needs wide receiver help? But I, you know, DJ Moore has been not that I thought he was bad, but he has been way more productive than I thought. I, I guess I came into the year thinking that Robbie Anderson was going to do more things and Robbie Anderson so far has done no things. Um, so, so DJ Moore, I think, is going to continue to prosper and, and be very productive. Uh, I like James Robinson. I guess my only real concern about them is that I don't know what the Jaguars coaching staff is doing. Like there are times they forget that James Robinson is on their team. It seems, uh, you know, last week they had a, a huge snap near the end of the game and it's Carlos Hyde getting the ball. Like, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if this was like an urban Meyer, like shout out to Ohio state sort of thing. I have no idea what that was about, but 
um you know like they forget about lavisca chenault sometimes so it's just the the sort of the inconsistency of the jaguars coaching staff that makes me a little bit nervous whereas you know week in and week out i mean unless something goes really sideways the the, the panthers are going to get the ball to dj Moore. so uh, i mean i guess that's the way i'd lean but i don't i don't think this is like an awful trade uh, i don't think one side is like getting ripped off by any means here yeah for for those of you scoring at home it was a fourth and one in the red zone where Carlos Hyde was promptly brought in and immediately lost three yards on the play. Um, so perfectly fair to call the coaching staff's judgment into question. <laughs> Although I don't know if you on heard that the, the and quote, a lot of a lot, among other things to be questioned on his judgment on. Yeah, certainly. I, I don't know if you heard his quote about it afterwards. He said something to the effect of like, "Hey, I don't micromanage to determine who should be out on the field on any given play." And I'm like, "Well, what do you do?" Yeah. What is your job here? Like, if you're not my what, is it, what is it that you'd say you do here? You do, here, right? Like, he really is the office space meme at this point. Like, I, you know, like, I don't, I really don't get it. Part of me thinks he's Peter Gibbons and is like trying to get fired at this point. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could take it would, the John it would certainly make... route, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah. One one more question from listeners. Uh, this is just a classic set start question. Uh, this is regarding a flex spot. Uh, sit or start Kadarius Tony or Damian Williams in a half point PPR league? Uh, because of the half point PPR, I'd say Kadarius Tony. Um, I don't know if he gets the same number of targets this week that he did last week, and hopefully he doesn't try to punch anybody. Right, and that's that was my question. <laughs> uh, I mean, is it, is yeah, it, wait, is that, is fa- it, is that factoring it, in the potential uh, ejection too? Into yeah. The <laughs> How long is he going to play before he gets ejected? <laughs> right. So uh, I just think, like I said, like I said earlier, I mean, I think the Giants are going to have to throw the football a lot because I think the Rams are going to score. So that that makes me a little bit more optimistic about Tony. Um, but obviously, you know, keep an eye on too. Like, if the foot injury is a, an issue, um, the decision might end up being made for you. Who knows? Yeah, George, any thoughts on that? Any any differing opinions or? No, no, I agree with that. Uh, especially since I'm starting Kadarius Tony um, as well, <laughs> so I'm I'm hoping that it uh, goes the way he's he's uh, he's uh, talking about. So I'm good with that. I love when people give analysis, like, and I do it too. Like, I'm not gonna lie, but like, people give analysis based on their own teams too. Like, hey, man, I think this guy's gonna do well because I'm starting him. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. I've been known you just want it out in the ether, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes you just gotta wish cast it. You know, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We get into existence. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, this is usually where we uh, we wrap it up here, uh, but. Thank you both for coming in. Uh, what we like to do here is kind of toss it back to you guys and let you have kind of a couple of minutes to, to give any shout outs you want to do or where we can find you on Twitter or anywhere else on the interwebs. Uh, so, George, we'll start with you and kind of let you have the floor for a minute or two. Okay. Appreciate it, fellas. Again, thanks for uh, having me on. Enjoy the time. A uh, couple shouts out uh, first to uh, the Sanders family across the United States. Uh, hello, everyone. Want to make sure to uh, shout y'all out. Um, also, if you're a fan of uh, independent comics, my good friend uh, William McPherson has some great independent comics uh, called the uh, Eidolons, uh, which I'm one of the featured characters. It's based upon all of his friends uh, growing up and in college. Uh, you can find him at uh, at Team Demonicus on uh, Instagram or 
tinamonicus.com on uh, the internet. And also want to shout out my wife too as well, uh, Brianna Sanders. She has a business called Knots on Wood on Facebook. So if you need some great uh, holiday gift ideas, uh, handmade wood signs, uh, picture frames, all types of great stuff, I look at her, um, look up for her on uh, Knots on Wood on Facebook. Ooh. Awesome. You had a you had a list there. You're you're our first guest that's Dude. shouting out all these all these great things here. So thank you, <laughs> MG. Yeah, it's all to, yours. Be a little bit prepared. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, always, no. always smart to shout out the wife too. It's oh always, yeah, uh, sure. yeah. Good Bonus so I guess I should do that too. Shout out to my wife also. It's uh, <laughs> just generally awesome. So uh, you know that's that. Um, for me, uh, you can find me, m most of my stuff you can find uh, on Twitter. It's at Marcus G, M-A-R-C-A-S-G. Uh, but, of course, uh, we got the podcast, the NFL Fantasy Football Show, um, streaming a couple times a week. But you can also find the audio version, uh, you know, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Spotify, all the places where you find podcasts, you can find it there. And then uh, on, on the TV, uh, NFL Fantasy Live, Monday through Friday. Uh, what time do we air? Six o'clock Eastern, three o'clock Pacific. Um, so you check that out there. And I, I recently, I'm on the TikTok now because I have Ooh. to keep up with the kids. Yeah. Um, so you can yeah. find me on TikTok at at Marcus Grant. I uh, I did one where I did a little dance and it actually went viral. So now I'm like, oh no, does this mean I have to dance on TikTok? Because like I don't, yep. I don't. I resisted TikTok for a long time because like my wife would like would show me stuff and it all just looked like nothing but people dancing. And I'm like, I don't want to be a part of this. Um, and now I am. And next thing you know, yeah, there you go. And now I'm dancing on TikTok right. like this. this now, I don't know. Now I you carry like, the burden of expectation. I do. I feel like I've betrayed myself, but uh, all for the all for some likes and clicks. Uh, but hopefully I'm giving out some good advice, too. So, uh, yeah, come, come check me out there. But uh, I appreciate you guys giving me the invite to come on the show. I appreciate the invite to be in the league. Um, and uh, this is where George and I put our heads together. And we got, we start to go on a run. It starts this week. Yeah, there you go. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Marcus, I just wanted to give you one more opportunity. I know you've started something uh, kind of new out there, and I wanted to give you an op opportunity to, to – Maybe get the the likes up on that that yeah. project too. It's funny. Uh, yeah. So uh, a group of us, uh, mostly fantasy types, uh, started a thing called Thirty Two Bit. Um, uh, shout out to uh, Professor uh, uh, Hussein Shabazz, who is uh, Prophet Hoos uh, on Twitter. He talked to me about just doing something kind of fun, just some content that was more kind of pop culture, maybe nostalgia, throwback kind of stuff. Um, we started inviting people in to kind of just be content creators with us uh very little of it is is football oriented and i think even less of it is going to be fantasy oriented but it's just a bunch of us kind of doing goofy things and having fun and uh so you can find it on twitter at 32 bit it's the number 30 and then the word two so the number 30 then two bit uh on twitter um yeah it's kind of fun you know what? i'll say this it just started off as for me at least as something kind of fun and goofy and just a break from fantasy on occasion um and i have been pleasantly surprised by the number of people that uh, kind of hit me up saying they're either they're just like very entertained and amused by it or even more people who are like hey how do i get involved um so uh it's been cool like i said we just kind of started this 
and and you know we just have a bunch of creators who are out there having fun and, and doing fun stuff and uh you know hey maybe this blows up into something great if not uh it's just something entertaining and hopefully everybody who follows along uh is as entertained watching and reading it as we are putting it out there for you are you not entertained are you not entertained <laughs> i will i will go ahead and get a follow-up for for you guys uh, that that sounds pretty interesting to me so appreciate it yeah hussein is is an is an awesome follow um he's he's on twitter at at who's the prophet um and the the content he's putting out there is is awesome so definitely we'll we'll breathe some life and some uh some nostalgia and some chuckles into into your feed um and with that I'll, I'll take this opportunity to thank you both, Marcus, George, uh, really do appreciate your support this year. And in, in prior years, we're, we're super pumped to have you not only in the league, but also joining us on the podcast tonight. Um, and we will head out on the note of, for everyone out there listening, um, if you feel so inclined, if you want to learn more about what we're doing with the Charity League, you can find all of the information that we have out there at our Twitter handle. It's at pros with Joe's. We can go directly to our website, proswithjoes.com. There you will see all of the pros who are participating, all of the causes they are supporting, and you will have an opportunity to donate to our in-season fundraiser that goes to the eventual champion. So it sounds like MG and George are really looking to kick things into overdrive, <laughs> and it could very much so be uh, heading out to the food bank in LA and helping keep people uh, fed and fight food insecurity in the Los Angeles area. So... If you are so inclined, um, you know, please consider donating. Give a little, give a lot, whatever you can spare. It really does go a long way. Um, for those that want to find the, the the prior and future episodes of the Pros with Joe's podcast, you can do so on uh, Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you 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 get your podcasts. Uh, just search for Pros with Joe's, or we do roll up into the Doctor Roto Podcast Network. So uh, if you make your way to either of those entities. Do us a favor, scroll down, hit subscribe, hit like, throw a review in there. It really does go a long way in helping us spread the word on the work that we're doing. And with that, we will see you next week. Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out DrRoto.com. And until the next visit, be well and take care.